Today we conclude our series on a Christ-exalting home. We have seen when women fulfill their God-given roles, they exalt Christ to their husbands through their conduct. And men who they are married to, if they're not saved, can get saved by seeing their wives do this. And if they are saved, these men can see their wives do this and it can sanctify them. And show us what the gospel is. And we can begin to live for Christ. We can repent of our sin because of your testimonies. I want to make one little clarifying point on 3, 1 to 6. I have taught this passage with an extra amount of commentary. I don't think I've ever preached a passage, uh, seven verses in a five-part series ever. I don't remember doing that. I have uh, done this for a couple of reasons, mainly to... Bring balance, though, to the view. In other words, instead of just focusing on 1 through 6, I wanted to give a big picture look, as I've mentioned, of the applications and implications of this passage and the others. I've brought out applications to the guys more than Peter specifically intended in the passage. Uh, I did this by bringing other passages into view. And I did this so that we could get that big picture of the marriage relationship. Like I said at the beginning, I wanted to bring, out, bring the counseling room into the pulpit for this series. If I were to stick with just 1 Peter 1 to 6, or 3, 1 to 6 in the passage, its application would have been only to wives and a much shorter series. So you understand that I've kind of take some, taken some liberties as I've gone through this. I would only have one, or I would have only challenged the wives in this section. But as a pastor, I have the liberty to expand on what the scriptures say to the both parties and everybody involved uh, to address specific spiritual needs in our church. This is why I've done what I've done. I hope you've been edified and encouraged and challenged, and I. I'm sorry I've uh, taken a little longer than I normally do. If I were ever to be accused of um, picking a hobby horse, uh, this would be one that I did pick a hobby horse. In other words, I, a soapbox. This is something I've focused on a little bit more. I admit that. Guilty as charged. Hear me that way. But I do it with the intention of loving you and desiring more than anything else for marriages to be edifying and growing and thriving in our church. We need that, don't we, beloved? Notice I didn't give you five ways to have a successful marriage. <laughs> I attempted, however, to use the scriptures and show from scripture how we're supposed to, how marriages are supposed to look, what a gospel-exalting home looks like. However, ultimately, the main purpose of verses 1 to 6 is wives must reflect the gospel in their submission to their husbands even during mistreatment. That's the point of that passage. Okay? That's the main point. The whole idea is how we live in front of our spouses and children matters. How we live matters. People are watching. Today we turn our attention to the husbands in this last verse. And my prayer is to finish the whole verse today. Let's read it again. 
Let's read it again. Verse 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. We're going to break down this passage into three sections. The three sections are the subjects, their responsibilities, and the warning. Their, the subjects, their responsibilities, and the warnings. I want to give you, however, my uh, translation of the passage. If you were to take out a King James Version of the Bible, an ASB, an ESV, an NIV, and all these, and you read them, and you put them side by side, you know what you'd find? Nobody translates this verse the same. Everybody translates this. Usually when you're going through, you can kind of see the gist. Everybody's saying it. Everybody translates this verse differently. And I, I honestly, I've racked my brain. I don't understand why it's so different. It's not that bad, that complicated of a verse. But it's as if I think that when you get to this verse, somehow the translators actually want to present something that this verse says, and they add things to make it say something. So I'm going to give you a translation that's very wooden literal or pretty literal. Let's look at it. Here it is on the screen. If you want to write one down, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to do it today. So you all hang in, okay? The husbands, likewise, live with your wives. Notice the your wives is in italics. That means it's not in the original, okay? But it's implied. Live with, according to knowledge, as a weaker vessel, the feminine one. Show honor as also fellow heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. I think that is a wooden literal translation of the passage. And I, as we unfold this, you'll see why I focused on it. If you look at even the ESV, to be honest, I think they blew it. They messed it up. It changed the order a little bit, and I think the NASB does too. And they add a few things. Actually, the NASB does better on this one than ESV. But let's look at these three sections. We're just going to break down this passage, and we're going to look at this passage, okay? Notice the breakdown, the subjects, their responsibilities, and the warning. Here we go. Let's dive in. The subjects, the husbands, the husbands. The overall amount of space, if you notice in this passage, there is a significant amount of ink spilled on why... There's so, much, so little for the husbands and so much for the wives. There is so much speculation, it's actually scary how much speculation. Why did Peter spend so much time talking to the wives but very little about the men? But here's what I think. Why? I have absolutely no idea. And I'm not going to try to read into his mind and figure out why. Okay? He just did it. He only gave us one verse, men. Are you okay with that? Well, I hope so, because it's the Bible. Now, here's something very significant for us to understand. If God says something in one verse, it's just as, in, as authoritative if it was six verses or a whole chapter, correct? So, if He gives us one verse and it can kind of explain our role, 
And he summarizes it there. It's just as, as authoritative as if there were six verses or a whole book, right? So men take heed as we look at this. It is important to note that in Peter's time, women did not go against their husband's religion, though. And notice that no women that are unbelievers are even mentioned here. Because unbelieving wives would have done what the husband said as a whole. They would have come alongside of a believing husband and just been quiet. They would have come to church. They might not have been believers, but they would have been there. Not that way, however, with the wives. If the wives became a believer and the husband wasn't, that caused tension. So you can see why he would have spent a little bit more time with it. We can say with certainty, times are different, definitely different today. Would you not agree? Women were not considered to be equal with men back then. Not in any stretch of the imagination. Women were often considered just a little bit higher than animals back then. This was a wicked element of the Greco-Roman world. It's important to note... Peter's message was very counter-cultural, as we will see, though. It's very counter-cultural. By application, I believe our culture is very different today. Last week, I ended with a pretty direct statement to the men that I didn't get to develop very well. And it was, y'all, uh, some of you that read my post on Facebook saw it. My wife uh, held me accountable to that a little bit. As I was driving away from the, re uh, from the church Sunday night, I said, what restaurant would you like to go to? She said, she said I don't care. Go for it. You, you make the decision. I said, no, really, where would you like to go? It's up to you. She said, have some backbone and make a decision. <laughs> so I made a decision. We went and ate somewhere. Yeah, Chick-fil-A wasn't open. <laughs> I said the statement, our women, or our men rather, need to have a little bit more backbone. Let me explain a little bit. The feminization of men in our society is definitely a problem. Men are not men in our culture. Briefly, that is totally opposite, by the way, of 1 Peter. Totally opposite. Culturally, we are different in that way. Ultimately, I think some of this feminization of men is the result of God handing our country over to the lusts of their heart because we have rejected God. And so, therefore, our culture is going down a very ugly path. Second, I believe the rise of the feminism movement or the feminist movement is a huge part of this a movement that ultimately was a rejection of the roles of women that God had given women. Just like many social causes, they start out with some good motives. However, many women have turned a cry for being treated respectfully into a cry for role reversal. Third, all of this is a part of the enemy's plan to destroy the home. The goal of the enemy is to get wives desiring to have the husband's role. And the husband's wanting to have the wives' role is what the enemy really wants. That's why they celebrate when Bruce Jenner comes out as Caitlyn Jenner. 
a lack of contentment in the heart of the people and a desire to be who God has made them to be. Role reversal is ultimately an attack on the gospel. I want you to take note of that. When we do not have a proper view of the home and the way that roles are established, we actually, as we see from this passage in Ephesians 5, we have a distorted view of the gospel. Submission, lordship, sacrifice, love, all of those things get distorted when you mess up the family. Our roles are God's way of revealing the gospel to the world. Remember the word in verse 7, it starts with likewise, likewise. That's tying it back to chapter 2, the end, where we are to be following the footsteps of Christ and show off the gospel as we live out our roles that God has given us. That's a very important word. Likewise. Men need to remember that they are the shepherds of their family. That's what I mean by backbone. <laughs> I'm not saying men shouldn't cry. It's okay to cry. I'm not saying men shouldn't be kind and compassionate. Jesus was kind and compassionate and cried. I'm not saying men should lord their role over their wives. Nowhere does Scripture say that. I'm not saying men should seek to counsel and talk with their... or should avoid counseling and talking with their wives. No, we should talk with our wives and get to know them. By the way, male abuse of women for centuries is what brought about the rise of feminism. I'm, I, that's what I believe. When men mistreat women, women say, when are you going to start respecting me? And then that became, when are you going to change roles and let me have your position? Likewise here. Likewise, husbands. Likewise. In a similar way. No, it's not saying mutual submission. But it is clearly carrying on the idea of following in the example of Jesus Christ. Gospel living. Remember, the idea is Jesus suffered. Jesus served. Jesus submitted. Jesus sacrificed for us. Now, follow in his footsteps, men. Likewise, follow in Jesus' footsteps. When men fulfill their roles as husbands... They follow Jesus and they exalt Christ. By the grace of God, I have been a pastor for around 17 years. One of the biggest changes I have seen over the last 10 years is this role reversal idea. Men aren't being men. They aren't leading their homes. They're not providing for their families. They aren't protecting their wives. They aren't being spiritual leaders in their home. The men are often way too led by their emotions. Now, I know some of what I'm saying is going to rub some people wrong in here. But I think we need to be strong enough, men, to be able to take a little bit of criticism. I want you to understand something, men. You will stand before God with how you lead your families. 
Ladies, I think you may feel a little sad for your men today. You might start thinking, man, he's just being too tough on them. But I ask you, please don't take it personal. We need to find out what Scripture says. And we need to live it and be men. We need to step up and lead our families towards Jesus, not away from Him. Are you leading your house and devotions? Are you the prayer warrior? Are you the one that works the hardest in the home? Are you the one who brings home the paychecks? I know these are hard things to hear. I know they are. But here is the reality. We need to lead. We need to not allow the world to dictate how we lead and the role we play. So, let's be men. And let's love our families and shepherd them. So let's move on to this second point. The responsibilities. The responsibilities. Live with your wives according to knowledge as a weaker vessel. The feminine one. The lady-like one. Show honor as a fellow heirs, as fellow heirs of the grace of life. There's a clear, there are clearly two main responsibilities for the husband here. I have it outlined there so you can see them. They kind of stand out the way I outlined it. Live with and show honor. First, live with your wives according to knowledge. And second, show honor to your wives. Let's look at these two responsibilities. And ladies that are single, I want you to know this is the kind of guy you're looking for. <laughs> this is who you want him to be. You want him to be able to do these two things. Live with you according to knowledge and show honor. And just a side note here, ladies, if that doesn't fit your husband right now, you have a Savior, and his name is Jesus. You need to run to him. Let's look at this first responsibility. Live with your wives according to knowledge. Live with your wives according to knowledge as a weaker vessel, the feminine one. So what does according to knowledge mean? The two phrases that follow according to knowledge help to define what he means by living with them according to knowledge. As a weaker vessel, the feminine one, the ladylike one. Men are required to dwell with their wives, knowing who their wives are and what their wives need. Now, let's address this little phrase. I, I found this so interesting this week. I was talking to a couple of the guys, or mainly one of the elders, one of the other elders. And I think that this verse is harder to preach than the other six, to be honest. And it's harder... For the ladies, <laughs> I'm just being honest, okay? Let's just walk down through this. As I thought on this passage, I confess, this is much harder. I can imagine ladies saying, okay, I get it. Pastor Mike, you say, the Bible says I need to submit to my, wife, uh, my husband. I need to submit. Jesus submitted so I can submit. But... What does this mean, a weaker vessel? 
a weaker vessel. Again, lots of ink spilled on that little phrase. Lots of ink. Again, we need to understand something. The world, and especially our society, doesn't like submission. We know that. But it hates with a passion ever suggesting women are weaker than men. That one is really bad. Saying it, if I just say that, women are the weaker vessel. Do you understand if I said that publicly? If I was running for office and I said that, you don't get elected. Sorry, you're out. You're a chauvinist pig. If I even suggest men are stronger than women, I'm a male chauvinist, right? That's what our culture says. So what does this mean? Well, I believe it means what it says. Women, in general, are the weaker vessel. Now, is this physically, emotionally, or spiritually? Now, hear me out before the rocks start flying. I think the answer is yes. Are women physically, emotionally, and mentally or spiritually generally weaker than men? Yes. As a general description, they are physically and emotionally and mentally weaker. At this point, I probably lost at least a quarter of you. Hopefully not. But is this always the case? No. No. There are some women that are stronger than men. We all know that, right? Watch the Olympics. I'm fairly sure some women can outrace me. I know that for sure. For a fact. And there are some basketball ladies that can slam the wall. And I can't even touch the net much less the rim. There are women that are stronger even emotionally than men. That is a fact. There are women that are stronger mentally than men. This is true. Why? Well, for various reasons, but I believe there are a few reasons that follow. And one of them being role reversal. Role reversal. Women are not allowed in our culture to be women. They're not. If you are, you are weak. If you are a woman, you're looked down upon. If women are women, they are often shamed. You have to strive to be as fast as a man. You have to be stronger, more intelligent. You have to be above them in all ways. That's what our culture is telling you all the time. Everywhere you look. Also, 
men aren't being men. So, in other words, women are so often stronger in these areas because men aren't being men. <laughs> Everywhere you look, on TV, movies, everything, men are presented as the buffoons. The weaker ones. We know this, don't we? And any lady that comes out to be a G.I. Jane, she's elevated. Let's look at this. Why? We're all reversal. Our culture. It hates women being women and men being men. Also, God can give an extra measure of strength to ladies. <laughs> In order for such a time as this moment, God has shown in history like the rise of Deborah. <laughs> Let me give Deborah a little bit more grace because men weren't stepping up the way they should have. Does strong women automatically imply the woman has a problem? No. No. But... I think all of this is the effect of the curse and the way it looks in our society. However, I find it interesting. Peter didn't give any exceptions or any clauses in here or any cautions in here, did he? Not for the, for the women. He doesn't, say, he doesn't say the woman is the weaker vessel, except in some cases where there are women that are. He didn't say that. Why? Because their culture and their time was the opposite problem. The men weren't respecting at all and treating the women with any respect or honor. So therefore, he didn't even have to say that. That was obvious that the women were the weaker. However, I find it interesting that our culture is always preaching the other way. Always talking the other way. And I have to give all these exception clauses so that we can get through this. So a word of caution. Don't let the lost world around you redefine words and roles. Weaker. Let me ask you a question. This is a trick question, so listen closely. You ready? Is being weaker a good or a bad thing? Is being weaker a good or a bad thing? Answer, neither. Neither. It's neither good or bad. It's different. Okay? Being a weaker vessel doesn't make you a bad person. The world might say you're bad, but God doesn't say you're bad. Beloved, I can't stress this enough. If God makes a person weaker than another person, that doesn't make them less of a person. It doesn't make them not as good as another person. Weaker does mean an ability to do something might be less than someone else, but this does not change one's status or image-bearing or heirship with Christ. I think this is very important. Our culture and our society drives this home, especially in America, don't we? 
Think about sports. Oh, we're right at the final four time, right? The winners are the, the successes. And the losers, well, they're losers. Right? They go away and cry. The winners rejoice. And everywhere you look, every job you take, every TV show you watch, all where you see it, strong are great, weak are bad. Losers. You know what that is? That's Satan. He's running his world. You know, the Bible says the opposite about the weak. God loves the weak. <laughs> he uses the weak. And by the way, any of you men out here that think, oh, well, I'm not as weak, well, then you might be prideful. And you need to get weak. You need to realize your weakness. Psalm 8.2 states this, From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries. You know why God loves weak people? God loves weak people because He can show off His glory through them. When they depend upon Him and show off His glory, that is a great thing. How about 1 Corinthians 1.27? But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. I find it so ironic that the first person Jesus showed himself to after the resurrection was a lady. I find it so interesting that in Acts 16, who was down by the riverside? The ladies. Sometimes weakness is a beautiful thing, especially if you're willing to acknowledge your weakness. Why? Because it's there you find the glory of God to rely upon. Oh, this is so good. Being the weaker vessel, the feminine one, is not a curse. It's a position of blessing. You are blessed. Dear ladies, you are blessed. Oh, dear people, we need to change the way we think, don't we? Why did Jesus say, let the little children come to him? Jesus loves the little children. Why? Because they are the vulnerable ones. As I sat and looked at little Eva Dome the other day, could not help but think, man. She is so vulnerable. Pound, just amazing. But as I cried out to the Lord, I couldn't help but think, this is who he loves. This is what he's all about. And the parents that sit there and feel so vulnerable and so weak and so helpless are the ones he loves and his arms are all around them and shows compassion. Please, beloved, get this. 
being the wicker vessel is a beautiful thing. It's not a bad thing. The responsibility of man is to understand their wives' vulnerabilities and to show them Christ. Listen to me, ladies. If you're always hiding your weakness and you're always trying to be the man or lead, your man is not going to be able to do his role, which is what? To live with you in an understanding way. To look at you and say, you're vulnerable, you need me, I want to be there for you. We need to play our parts, not be ashamed of them. Step up, men and ladies. It's okay to be a woman. Praise God, you're a woman. All men in the room say, I don't want my wife being a man. I need a woman, not a man. We're supposed to live with our wives according to knowledge. What's that mean? It means showing them Christ. Showing them Christ. How did Christ deal with women? <laughs> he dealt with them with grace and compassion and gentleness and kindness and love. We must know and understand our wives' weaknesses. And we must come to their aid for the glory of the gospel. Oh, more men that will step up and say, she's my wife, don't mess with her. Don't talk to my wife that way. We need more men like that, don't we? Just a small warning here, a caveat. Women, we aren't your saviors, as I mentioned we're supposed to seek to be like Christ and show you Christ, but we fail way too many times, don't we, men? Do we show the compassion and gentleness and kindness of the Savior? Often, no. We're hard-headed, prideful, arrogant men often. We're supposed to seek to live with you in an understanding way. We're called to this responsibility, but we're only men. And you need to understand, ladies, that only Jesus is perfectly compassionate and understanding. If men were always compassionate and kind and gentle and supportive, good listeners, this, word, this verse, by the way, wouldn't even be in the Scriptures if we were always like this. God has a way of putting scriptures there with exactly what we need to know. <laughs> he tells us to do things because He knows what? We're prone not to do it. If your wife is not weaker than you men, by the way, not vulnerable, maybe this is a call to get out in front and run a little faster. Do you understand what I mean? There's the backbone again. Showing up. Let me tell you, Mary, my wife, has revolutionized my walk with the Lord. As she grabs a hold of her Bible every day, it's hard to say, ooh, i got to lead in spiritual things 
she's there and studying and doing all this stuff and seeking the Lord and praying. Better get out in front. Better shepherd. Better spend more time with the Lord. Maybe, just maybe, many of us guys just want to sit back and let our wives be the spiritual leaders of our house. Why? Maybe because we're just plain flat out lazy. Ouch! Very disciplined, very strong mentally, very objective emotionally. Are we this way? We should be objective. We should be strong. Now, I know I'm going to offend someone today, but listen to me. Here's the caveat for everyone. If the shoe fits, wear it. If this doesn't apply to you, God's grace is upon you. And if you don't agree with some of my applications, I understand. I would just appeal to you to examine the passage and see what it says. And then if God says to do it, then you need to do it. Because God is God. And His Word is true. And it's authoritative. By the way, sometimes in the course of life, things happen where a woman may have to do much more. Does this always mean that the man should be ashamed of himself? And the answer to that is no. Sometimes the Lord in His providence just wants even the men to become weak and dependent upon the Lord. Weakness, weakness again, is not a sin. Every one of us is growing old. We will lose our strength, won't we? And this is hard to deal with. But we must remember our value is not based on our strength levels. Do you understand me? Our value is in the Lord. Our identity with Him. And ladies, this applies to you and it applies to us and we, it applies to everyone. Weaker but dependent is better than stronger and independent. Do you hear me? Weaker but dependent is better than stronger and independent. I tell you this. A heart check is often a good thing for all of us. We should always seek to be strong in the Lord by seeking and depending upon Him. So what does this look like? Let's get really practical. What does living with your wife in an understanding way or according to knowledge, what does it look like? Well, here's what it looks like. It's men that affirm their wives' femininity. Affirming that they're ladies. Not trying to make them be us. I was challenged by this. Raising a daughter is, whoo, that's challenging. We have to. We have to realize that when our lady comes to us crying or hurting a little bit, we shouldn't say, tighten up, let's go. Come on, be strong, get over it. Does that make sense? What you just did is destroy their femininity. 
You said, don't express any emotion. Whatever you do, I can't handle that. But it also doesn't mean, and ladies, I want you to listen to me closely. This is, I've, I've thought on this. Can you tell I've been thinking on this all week long? That also does not mean this. It does not mean that I'm going to, as soon as she cries, click tears. And I got to cry the same amount as you. And I've got to feel just as strongly and emotionally about every single thing as you. Because I'm not a lady. And that's okay. That's why I don't know if I like the Nasbys living with them in an understanding way. It kind of takes too far, doesn't it? You can almost think that that means I have to understand you and be you. Listen, I can't completely understand women. <laughs> okay, we've got to watch these little talks now. Hey, we're getting there. Do you understand that, that it is not easy? what this calling is, live with you according to knowledge. But it, it says that I understand who you are and I live with you knowing who you are. It doesn't say I understand who you are and I become you. Do you understand the difference? That's a crucial difference. So affirm their femininity. And, and don't try to change them, men. Listen to them. Listen. Wow, that's a profound thought, right? And listen to them also doesn't mean this. Yeah, I'm hearing you as you watch through them to the basketball game or the football game. <laughs> we had to have some wives come out. And all you singles in the room, you say, oh, I don't have that problem. Oh, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Do you listen to other people? Start practicing. Start putting yourself in other people's shoes. Then you'll start seeing what it's all about. Seek to understand them. Don't seek to be them. That makes sense, doesn't it? Now at this point, Peter moves to the second responsibility and it is a highlight. Oh, man, look at the time. It flies by. Am I the only one that I look down, the clock's 45 minutes, look up, and it's gone? I want to keep going. Y'all hang in there. Five minutes, okay? Got to get this. Don't want to finish here. Look at show honor to your wives. Show honor to your wives. Oh, what's this mean? This means esteem them. Show respect to them. Give them honor. Acknowledge their great worth. Oh, boy, do men need to do this better, don't we? And all the women in the room say, yeah, there you go. Okay, good. <laughs> Honor them. Do you understand, men, that the feminism movement would have never rose up if we would have just shown the honor and respect that women deserve as fellow heirs with God, with Christ? What does this look like? Again, men, listen. Men, speak well about your wife and to your wife. I can't tell you how much this 
drives me mad. Oh, listen to me. Talk to your wife with respect. Do you understand? She's a daughter of the king. She's known by God. She's a child of God. Talk to her and respect her like she is. Men, you must speak respectfully of your wife too. By the way, I can tell a lot about a man by the way he talks to his friends about his wife. Do you hear me? If you're always railing on your wife, uh, you need to read 1 Peter 3, 7 again. Okay. Will we talk to about Jesus that way? Yet, she's a daughter of Jesus. We must show respect and honor them. Confess if there was one thing that really concerns me is when I see spouses showing no respect to each other, no honor. These are blood-bought saints of God, men. Treat them that way. This is a step up from being a this is a step up from being a fellow human. This is a child of the king. This living with your wife according to knowledge and this showing honor to your wife as a fellow heir. It's all because of the unmerited favor of God. If God gives grace to your wife, shouldn't we be? People that give grace to our wife? But I think often, way too often, way too often, we treat our wives as if they are just another buddy that we can argue with. I, I was talking to my wife about this, and I think this is something for us to note. I think this section reminds me that Titus 2 is very important. What do I mean by that? Well, look, guys. Talk to your guy friends about your own heart. And you can do your nice objective argumentation about doctrine. But be very careful of getting into a, a debate with your wife about doctrine all the time. Because the fact of the matter is, is that she probably wants to just sit and pray with you and spend a little bit more time loving her and loving God together. We need to learn about this. Women, also, listen to me closely. Titus 2 is there. Older women teach younger women. Why? Well, because you guys can relate with each other a lot better sometimes than us. We're clueless sometimes, I admit it. We are clueless. So women should be working together, discipling each other. And men should be discipling each other. It's one of the reasons why the great test before marriage is, do you have mentors in your life? If you don't, you might not be ready to get married. You need people speaking truth into your life. So, he concludes with the warning, and we'll close with this. And we'll actually finish. 
so that your prayers may not be hindered, men. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Gentlemen, do you understand this is a great responsibility? We're all going to stand before the Lord with what we do. Whether he says, well done, good and faithful servant, is based on whether or not, by the grace of God, we obey. Verse 7. But do you understand that the way you treat your wife today has effects today? That if you do not show respect and honor and live with your wife in an understanding way, according to knowledge, understanding who she is, then your own personal walk with God can suffer. Your intimate walk with God. Everybody in the room that is, that is married, you tell me by raise of hands, when you're fighting with your wife, does your prayer life suffer? Does your walk with God look great when you're fighting with your wife? No, it looks horrible, doesn't it? All Peter's saying is what's just already known. If you have problems loving somebody, and you're angry, and they're your enemy, guess what? Your intimacy with God's going to be nothing. It's going to suffer. So I guess I'd make that a final call for everybody in the room. Question. Do you have somebody you're angry at? Is there bitterness in your heart towards somebody? If so, you're going to have a hard time communing with the good God that He is. Please, beloved, turn your eyes to Jesus, the one who came to die to pay for sin, even the sin of bitterness. Seek Christ. Then love those whom God has given you to love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for what we have learned. Lord, we pray that you will help us to apply these truths, to live and play our roles that you have given us. Thank you for grace. Thank you for saving us. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that isn't saved and they're trying to walk through this world and navigate it without you, I pray, God, that you will help them to see their own sinfulness and their need of a Savior and that they will repent of their sins, turn from their sins, and trust in Jesus Christ alone. God, help us today to repent of sin and trust in Jesus. We pray this in His name. Amen.